Hello and welcome to Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware, brought to you by the Alliance Party. Content for this episode recorded Sunday, June 20th, 2021. Good evening to you, everyone. I'm Greg from Philadelphia, your host for this evening's podcast. Tonight, we're talking with the returning Ayana Crawford. Ayana is the founder and CEO of Reviving Solutions, LLC, focusing on political consulting, strategic planning, event coordination, and organizational development. Ayana received her BA at Winthrop University and her master's in organizational leadership and change at Columbia College, South Carolina. She's been in several leadership positions within community outreach and organizing and event coordination, and she's even held leadership positions in the Alliance Party. Ayana, welcome back to the show. Thank Uh, you for having me. (laughs) You last appeared in February of this year talking with Dan, but you've had a lot going on since then, and I'm very excited to talk with you tonight. I understand you have some exciting news to share with us. Yes, I do. I am now the Black Caucus Chair for the Alliance Party. Which means we have a Black Caucus. (laughs) (laughs) Cue the applause. (laughs) Yes, I feel like it's it's definitely needed. Um, I think the last time everyone heard from me, I was the National Recording Secretary as well as had started the Women's Caucus. I didn't want to necessarily say I was the leader of it but definitely felt like those specialized and marginalized communities needed a voice and a seat at the table. Um, So I pitched the idea to our new um, chairman, uh, Jonathan Etheridge, who's all for diversity and inclusion and equity. And he was already in conversations and already had plans for it. Um, So yeah, we made that transition. So I'm excited about the new changes our party is having and to start this new caucus and see how it goes. I'm pretty excited too. Now, you talked a lot about your role and the work of the Women's Council back in your last appearance. And folks, if you haven't heard that show, please go back and listen to it. It's awesome. But uh, as far as the Black Caucus, what can people expect from that in terms of its role within the Alliance Party and the kind of work that it's going to do? And how can they get involved? Yes, they can easily get involved by emailing me at ayana.crawford at thealliancecarty.com. And I've been having various ideas on how this caucus should work. I don't want to make the same mistakes that have been done in the past, but I, if all, if anything, need us to come together as um, African-American community, the Black community, however they identify themselves, and figure out how, one, we can help the party. How can we move forward? How can we continue to recruit minorities to be a part? Two, also make um, help people realize that a lot of the policies and positions that certain parties hold may forget and neglect Black voices So by having this coalition and this caucus come together, I would love to hear my brothers and sisters thoughts um, on how we can change and just be a different type of caucus, how we can be a a different type of party. And we need more in a variety of voices to join us in that fight. That's wonderful. It's always encouraging to hear commitments to diversity, a point of view within any group. And I know from your work with, the Alliance Party so far that the council in general and the caucus in general is going to be in good hands. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) I have confidence though that it will. Are there any upcoming milestones people should be looking out for? 
Um, within the caucus itself, no. Um, I'm in a stage of recruiting and also going ahead and trying to think and come up with initiatives. Um, though That's kind of like my glorious I idea. <laughs> um, if more people join on me and creating this caucus and coming together and grabbing our voices, grabbing our power, we will be able to hopefully as a team decide, hey, you know, recruitment may not be our focus right now in this moment. Maybe we need to just hone in on who's here in our party and see what we can do um, to further the party and make sure they don't neglect our voice. So I'm not saying that the party has done that. I, I think that that has been something repetitive that we've seen from other parties um, that we are so young, that intangible, that we can change that before before any of that could, could even happen. Um, so I'm hoping that um, the more people that join in um, and can come together and use our voices to be united um, and help change uh, the national party, um, our ideals or anything like that, that we feel like need to in a sense, but also more so looking forward um, in any of the party's efforts on, on changing. The only last milestone that I know of is our rebranding efforts that have been done and said um, beautifully by Jonathan, Tom mm -hmm. Cotton, Tim Cotton, um, and even Will, uh, I think it's Starridge. Um, I'm probably mispronouncing Will's last name, um, but they did a phenomenal job. Um, I'm even sure our vice, um, our co-chair is Darcy Richardson and even Michelle Griffith had hands in that. Um, but I'm excited to see where we're going to go. Um, I'm, a, I'm a millennial, so I love to see our, our TikTok and our um, Instagram pages take off um, <laughs> and reach more people in my generation and generations after me. So that's the last milestone that I am informed of that um, I would, I'm excited for. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to cover more developments on this and other Alliance Party activity on the show in the upcoming months. But for today, <laughs> we really want to talk about kind of a, I mean, it feels landmark in some ways, uh, Juneteenth our new national holiday <laughs> and yeah. its significance for all Americans in particularly the black community. So some background, if you haven't heard of it somehow, <laughs> this has been quite the topic. Uh, Juneteenth officially recognized as a federal holiday when president Biden signed the Juneteenth national independence day act into law just a few days ago. And yesterday, as of recording the show, June 19th, 2021, we celebrated it as a nation for the first time. However, the holiday itself goes back to 1865, the closing days of the American Civil War, when Union Major General Gordon Granger arrived on Galveston, Texas, took command of the troops there, and publicly read General Order Number 3 proclaiming with federal authority that all slaves were free. Since that time, Juneteenth was celebrated regionally in Texas about a year after General Granger's reading of the proclamation but it's gathered geographic reach and just general popularity throughout the years. Uh, I can remember it coming up in Philadelphia public school at one point when I was growing up, at least one point when I was growing up. So it has had some reach all over the country, but it has not been a national holiday. So now after it's been around for about 150 years, it has finally achieved national holiday status. Ayana, can you tell us in your words, what this means for America in general and to black Americans specifically? 
yeah, I can do my best. Um, and I love to say and just let people know, of course, I'm just one individual. I don't like to speak for or am not trying to speak for um, a whole race, um, in my opinions and in my statements, especially on this podcast, but even outside of that in my everyday life. So just a little disclaimer. But um, I think this is good for America to acknowledge that Juneteenth should be a federal holiday. I think I remember out in the trenches and everything last year um, after George Floyd and everything had happened that we were asking and petitioning for them to make it a federal holiday then. And I know President Trump did, um, was in talks and had been trying to make that an effort. Um, but was unsuccessful in, in doing that. Um, but for them to do it finally this year, it's, it's great. I think more and more people have been educated on what that holiday is and what it means in the history of it, which is very important. Um, kind of like you, Greg, I grew up kind of hearing a little, about, a little bit about Juneteenth, remember some community events, but I don't remember the significance of it. I, I just remember hearing it and that the slaves were free, yay, on Juneteenth, right? But yeah, they called it uh, Freedom Day. And mm -hmm. honestly, I I have sort of this memory of of doing I don't know some some sort of arts and crafts. Honestly, I don't know. I wish I had a better memory of it now that I'm bringing it up. <laughs> but some right. kind of arts and crafts project. I think maybe we made posters or something and hung them in the hallways or something to that effect. But yeah. It certainly wasn't regular. Like it wasn't an every year thing that the school took the time. Um, mm -hmm. I do have this clear memory of, of events around it when I was in grade school. And then it kind of faded away a little bit. Um, I'm really glad that it's back. I'm happy there's mm -hmm. more national awareness of it because it always right. seemed like an important day to me. Right. And I, I did notice a lot of people last year, um, African-Americans actually, who were enlightened by the fact that we were pushing and asking Juneteenth to be a federal holiday then and bringing it up and educating one another on it. And we were like, just shocked that in our school systems that it wasn't that big of a deal, right? Like we didn't grow up celebrating it in our household or knowing that was a huge thing because that's something that we're not taught on a regularly basis or just was consistent in school education, which brings me to the aspect of when it comes to black voices and how the black community may feel about this milestone for our country. Um, I've seen just a little bit of mixed reviews and a lot of people are like glad everyone is able to celebrate it, but we don't want it to be another holiday like and then I know this is not a federal holiday, but like Cinco de Mayo and St. Patrick's Day where, oh, we're celebrating the Irish, let's drink. Or we're celebrating Cinco de Mayo, Cinco de Mayo, which is a Mexican holiday and fiesta, let's drink. You know what I mean? Like, yes, take this extra day off and then just enjoy that and appropriate other cultures. So I've been seeing a lot of, um, uh, I guess I can say critiques on how in a sense that this is a slap in the face, <laughs> um, that us having the, the victory of having this be a federal holiday when they just denied and didn't, um, are now taking uh, critical race theory out of the schools and how they're trying to in a sense hide America's past on how America treated black skin, black, black people in general. Uh, we were counted as property, we weren't even counted as a, a full human. 
Uh, we were taken to do experiments. We were just not treated fairly by this, by this country. And it's sad that we are at a place in 2021 where we still can't face the reality of what has happened in the past and try to make it right on fixing that or saying, hey, let's acknowledge it. Let's truly be stronger and better and make sure that we undo the wrongs that our country was founded on. Um, I think we have done a poor job when it comes to that aspect of it. Um, I've been a part of groups who are passionate and been um, pushing legislation for reparations for African-Americans. And they had a, um, a bill on the floor. They tried to set up a race commission to, to do research on reparations. And it's even sad that even some African-Americans didn't agree that we needed reparations. When time and time again, we have anti-hate um, bill that came out for Asian-Americans this year, right? Then we had um, talking about anti-lynching that still hasn't been fully in effect, no knock. Like we've had a lot of things that we as a community have been asking for and just want America to acknowledge the, the wrongs that they have done and make it right and continue to be have that pushback, continue to have that slap in the face and continue to have that ideology of your culture. We can take that, we can celebrate that in a way that in some aspects of it is demeaning. Um, when people are celebrating, you know, their Confederate flag, what that means for African-Americans, what that looks like, how did that feel? Um, you know, we're told to get over slavery. Don't forget about it. You're, they want us to celebrate that slavery was over, right? Juneteenth, let's, let's celebrate it, great. But let's not talk about it in the schools. So um, it's a lot to unpack um, within <laughs> them just passing this holiday. To me, it seemed like it was a rush um, very last minute um, because the holiday was approaching. But um, in general, I'm, I'm hoping that they realize and hear us when we're saying, you know, we want more than just June, Juneteenth. That's kind of surface level. Um, that they'll take the time to actually listen and try to do more to make up for um, that lost time. It can definitely seem like window dressing if there's if you're still doing the bad things that you're supposed to be acknowledging that you're apologizing for. Exactly. Now I'm, I've been looking for some leader or somebody in our government, even our president um, Biden or someone to just acknowledge and say the fact that Juneteenth is kind of, I mean, we celebrate it, but it's sad. <laughs> it was yeah. two years after the emancipation proclamation when we were already supposed to be free and we were still enslaved. Right. So like have that thought process um, of I did this work. I was stolen from my country. I was stolen from my native land, came here, forced to work, treated like the dirt of the earth and finally, quote unquote, set free, but still had masters that, that still had their same ideology. And I wish and I hope people continue to educate themselves on where did America go from there, because that happened in, in Texas. And I'm wondering where that how that looked after the um, emancipation of proclamation, um, who was really free in all, all the states. Um, and then what, how did we move on from there? Sharecropping, different things, Jim Crow, like certain laws and stuff still came into play. So we were set free in a sense of slavery, of that slave labor, I guess I should say but still had the mindset of slaves still treated and enforced to as slaves, especially in our government systems. 
I think you make some great points there that, I mean, it's been over 150 years since then, but honestly, like the major civil rights struggles for voting and, and just basic civil rights, that's our parents' generation. This right. is not an, this is not history history. This right. is ongoing in a lot of ways. And right. we're still, I, th- I mean, I think America is still struggling with even talking about it. Mm-hmm. And you touched on a number of issues, but I'm curious. I mean, obviously, like you put in your disclaimer earlier, you're not speaking for everyone, but you are, you know, a, an experienced leader and, and you've thought about these issues to, a, to an incredible degree. Where do we go from here? Like, okay, you've, you've made Juneteenth a holiday. Great. Mm-hmm. Back that up with something. What do you see as the next struggle or the main point of focus that we should be pushing for? Mm, that's a really good question. I, there's a range <laughs> of things that they can do, right? And, and touching in almost every entity, whether that's education, whether that's economics. Um, I'm trying to see what direction um, this current administration is going in and what they're going for. Um, I would love them to just pass another bill or a legislation that is truly monumental for the African-American community. I would love for them to open up and say, hey, yes, we are going to allow reparation talks. Or, hey, why don't we, if if we're not going to pass and say, let's talk about race in schools, give a substitute. What else can we do, right? Can we talk about diversity, inclusion, and equity? Can we talk about what it means to truly be um, a nation for all in schools? Like, what else can we do that if, for some people, talking about race in school is too um, either quote unquote liberal or just too much in general, what, what can, what's a compromise? Um, and I think I said that before in my last, um, podcast with you all that I am one to bring everyone to the table. Um, you know, this is, this is my deal breaker. This is my trigger. Like don't cross this line, but this is what I'm willing to allow you to do. And this is what I'm accepting you to do as well so that we can see common ground. So anything this administration can do to progress um, Black people on a monumental level, I'm here for. Um, but as far as where where do they go, they have plenty of options. I just want them to do something. Um, and even if it's not just on them, um, I think on both sides and both um, parties need to do the the internal work within their parties and, and really truly figure out or see what our community needs and what we're asking for and prioritize that. And we haven't seen that done. Do you find reason for optimism there or are you more skeptical? Um, a little bit of both. I'm optimistic that it's on their radar. I'm optimistic that this is something that they've thought about and hopefully are starting to evaluate. Um, however, I'm still skeptical because it's still political parties, right? <laughs> We're still talking about the Democrats and the Republicans. At the end of the day, it's going to be their own agenda. What do they want? They're not going to think of the people. Um, they're not going to think of African-American people. It's, it's all about pushing their agenda and their policies the way they see fit. 
Um, so I, after years of watching and being disappointed and frustrated with them, I think they're still reserving, they're still reverting back to their old ways and their old thinkings and how they've done things in the past. Yeah, that is uh, an unfortunate truth. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah. I think we both know, and I think a lot of, of our audience out there is going to understand that civil rights struggles are not a top-down affair. No, mm-hmm. no president's pushing that. They get pushed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, usually by you know, movements, movements with leaders. And obviously when people think of civil rights leaders, the first name they'll go to usually is Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. but there's a, probably a longer list than we could possibly name here. Uh, people you've heard about and not heard about Megger Evers, William Dubois, Harriet Tubman, a lot of other folks that probably never even got the credit that they deserved. What do you think about, how history is going to view our current generation in terms of, you know, leaders, uh, game changers in civil rights for, you know, millennials, Zoomers, who are you looking at as what, and maybe it's too early to say, obviously, I'm just looking for some (laughs) early predictions. Like will history look back on our generation and go, these people push the needle. These people were the, the icons of this time? I can think of a few in my mind that stick out um, who have done monumental things but didn't keep the the momentum going, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. one person, Tamika Mallory, um, she was one of the original founders of Black Lives Matter. Um, She continues to, to do different things and have different talks and push different legislation and things like that. However, she doesn't have a following. Um, Same to me, Sean King is in that same category. Um, He has people who follow him, again, um, write, uh, share news, and um, does a lot of stuff for the Black community. But he, it's going to be hard, it's hard for him to get people to move with him. Um, and I, I honestly say that's the common theme that I've been seeing. Um, Reverend Barber, um, who else? Uh, there's a couple of people that, um, even celebrities that have been doing um, the work, but as far as our generation getting behind them, um, as far as our generation coming together and being on the same page as they were with Martin Luther King, um, it's, it's hard for our generation to get there. Um, I'm hopeful that someone can uh, come from the from the horizon and <laughs> lead the people um, <laughs> like Moses coming into the promised land. But I I am not that confident that that will happen. I feel like especially people in the African American community are all on different pages. People are still standing behind Malcolm X and feel that force is necessary. There's still people that stand behind um, like the black. Panther Party movement of, you know, we need to be armed, but we also need to give back to our community um, by any means necessary. So I think there's people who still have different ideologies and stand behind different people, but there's not necessarily one agenda for us. There's not one leader for us right now. Um, everyone is kind of um, going their, their own way and standing behind people that they personally feel like they believe in and um, it's, it doesn't seem like we're 
uh, organized and that we're unified and cohesive in the way we tackle um, things that will help our community. This is kind of a big question, but uh, you know, one huge difference of the times has been social media and the ability for yeah. so many more people to get involved with a voice. Do you think that is, uh, at the end of the day, an advantage to that kind of organizing or a disadvantage in some ways because it can be so diverse that it becomes a little harder maybe to get aligned behind a single or a, a small collective of groups and views to really get behind them and get them across the line with that sustained momentum like you're talking about? I I see it. I'm 50-50 on both both ways. Like I see how social media has been helpful in, um, in bringing change. I will always give G- Gen Z their credit for organizing on TikTok to go ahead and purchase um, tickets for um, Trump's uh, convention and not show up. Um, <laughs> that was <laughs> using the power of social media, right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love them for it. That's that's the one thing I can give Gen Z credit for. Now them licking ice cream out of the stores and everything else that they have made into a quote unquote challenge and fun thing. Um, yeah, I, I have to talk to them about that one. But overall, in general, I think social media can be a, a helpful and a useful tool, a very powerful tool um, to get us to come together and be on the same page and cause truly impact and change. Um, But as far as us standing behind one leader and even getting the information straight off social media, so much stuff out there. And I think that will cause us to get behind different people or have different ideologies. And it's kind of hard to find someone that has the same ideologies as you because of all the information and things out there on social media. Um, So it's 50-50. I think there's, it's a, there's a use for it, but it's also causing us to not um, be as unified as we could be without it. Super interesting. And it'll be, of course, interesting to see how things develop at this new yeah. presidency, new opportunities. Right. We've been talking with Ayanna Crawford, business owner, political consultant, and founder of the Alliance Party Black Caucus. Again, yeah. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations, Ayanna. It's, it, it really is... Um, a remarkable jumping off point for some wonderful things in the future, both for the party and for you and hopefully for the country. Yeah. And I hope that your listeners can join in, whether one join in um, the black caucus, not just as black individuals, but just come in as far as being allies, wanting to learn, be supportive. Um, Not saying that they, um, and I can talk to Jonathan about this, on, on what that looks like. I would prioritize Black voices and, and um, Black ideas within that caucus. But as far as listeners knowing that it doesn't have to be a Black caucus, it can be any caucus or any group that they feel like whose voices aren't heard, that the party is young enough for you to just come join. <laughs> join us, uh, reach either out to Jonathan, uh, someone within the national committee, pitch them your idea let us um let them know what you feel is missing and even if you feel led to create a group and lead the group um that you you know volunteer yourself to do that so 
Um, I'm hoping that people can just um, listen and, and realize that our party is still young enough to cause um, and be open to change um, and that we're constantly evolving. So, hey. And uh, what's the email again? Ayanna Crawford at? Yeah, ayanna.crawford at theallianceparty.com. Wonderful. Ayanna, thank you for stopping by and spending time with us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you again for having me. And thank you everyone out there for tuning into the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to the show so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week we'll bring you interesting topics from the Alliance Party and you can subscribe easily through iTunes, Google, or Spotify. Pretty much anywhere where the podcasts live. If you've enjoyed listening to the show and you'd like to get involved in the Alliance Party, please see our website at theallianceparty.com. As we expand the party, we need your involvement. Democracy is not a spectator support. Donations and volunteers are always welcome. If you would like to contact us, contact us at the Alliance Party After Dark, drop us an email at podcast at theallianceparty.com and also see our Twitter page at Alliance On Air. All content for this podcast is copyright the Alliance Party. However, the views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Alliance Party. I'm Greg from Philly, your host for this evening's edition of Alliance Party After Dark. And on behalf of Dan, myself, and everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop by for our next show. Be safe, be aware, and take care of yourself and those around you.